This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. Block up half the streets. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, good, because we just started. This is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill. And guess who's back? Good morning. The one, the only, the Caucasian, <laughs> Alyssa Fuchs with the snapback so pointed forward. Stanley. She's more than her skin color, okay? She likes chicken. Shots fired. And waffles. I do like chicken and waffles. But if you don't have that, she may try chicken and biscuits. (laughs) The only white person I know who enjoys hot sauce and not that corny sriracha garbage, the real stuff. Yeah, don't give me that. Don't give me that Tabasco either. Mm. I I want the real deal. That's right. Um, good morning, everybody. It's good to be back. It's good to be back here on Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. I miss well, you guys. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you back, and we're happy that everyone is listening after a full week of chaos and controversy. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, pop culture, social justice, and we do that all from our very diverse millennial perspectives. As you can tell from my voice, I'm actually happy to be here, and I'm excited and energized. Don't know what happened to Stanley, mm-hmm. but... You can find me on Instagram Damn. and Twitter at Miss Lena Hill MS. And of course, I think the extra excitement is because Alyssa is back. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I took a I took a long hiatus. Um, and actually, for the listeners who don't know, I am now um, acting as a correspondent here on Let Your Voice Weird Radio instead of. Yeah, I know. Instead of a full blown co-host like I used to be. But I, I like it because, number one, obviously, I love all of you guys. I love being on the air, but it gives me a little more flexibility in my schedule. Um, but number two, it also allows you guys to have more flexibility and get the best possible correspondence for certain shows where, you know, maybe I don't fit in as well with the topic. Whereas on other shows, I can come on and uh, and really do my thing where I really feel like my voice should be heard. There yeah. we go. There's a good acronym. Mm, um, like so, so yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying being back. Um, sh- should I tell them where to, where to find me? Of course. Is that a thing yeah, still? Yes uh, so yeah, you can you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Alyssa Fuchs. Um, you can also leave a comment on the fan page facebook.com/slash politically preposterous. Um, but really, mostly now because I don't know something happened with Facebook and they're not as cool as it used to be. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, shake head yes over here. Um, you can mostly find me on Twitter at Alyssa. Alyssa Fuchs, I-L-Y-S-S-A-F-U-C-H-S, if you're nasty, mm-hmm. um, or Fuchs on Instagram. Yeah. So good morning and happy to be back. You can also find me on the social medias. You can talk to me at Trick Daddy Stan that I'm playing. It Trick is Stan Daddy? Fritz at Twitter. It is Stan Fritz on IG. It is Stanley Fritz on Facebook. I'm at 4,000 friends. No, 4,900 something friends. Like, I can probably add like three more people before Facebook tells me I am at capacity again. So hurry up and get chose or not. Selena, how can they talk to you? I think I mentioned it already at Miss Selena Hill. Oh, I forgot. We just don't like following Selena because she's not as cool on social media as I am. Clearly, I am. Um, But anyway, guys, so yeah, check me out there. We have a great show lined up. We're going to be asking the questions of when it comes to black political leaders, are they doing enough for our communities? 
Um, and if not, what needs to be done so that our communities are empowered, uplifted, and getting the help and the change that, you know, a lot of times we desperately need? We say that, obviously, in respect to the passing of Representative Elijah Cummings. We'll be talking about his legacy as well. And before we jump into that, you know, we're going to have a news roundup. We're going to talk about all these non-black people using the N-word and some other stuff. Yeah, so we I heard have, about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Governor Cuomo? What? Gina Rodriguez, we're oh, going to say Let's save it. Let's save it. So, yeah, guys, make sure you leave those comments on Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard. If you are watching via Instagram Live, shout out to you. I will try to get to those comments as well. It's sure. just that there's a distance here, so I can't read them directly. Mm. Um, nonetheless, we also have our trusty intern here, Mariah. So she's holding it down for us. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go on a quick break. But when we come back, we're talking about Everything that made you laugh and cry during the week. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. You a college chick. You a college chick. Keep twerking, baby. Might earn you a scholarship. You a college chick. Get the see around and we really be okay. Hey! Yo, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, Selena is confused because I am not screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> well, you know what? JT is out. And I let them know how I was feeling back then, but you guys didn't match my energy. So over here today, I am just a casual form of lit. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We are here in the studio with Alyssa Fuchs, of course, Selena Hill, and Mariah, the bodyist. No, that's corny. What the? Yo, yo I'm trying to come up with a good nickname, guys. I'm workshopping. You are not supporting me right now. Mariah, are you supposed to workshop a- off air. No, you do it on air to embarrass yourself. Mariah, <laughs> are you wearing a Goosebump shirt? Mariah Stanley, is wearing a green, that, a that, black shirt that with a green graphic. That doesn't say goosebumps, Stanley. But it has the same <laughs> you like, know what? art style of goosebumps. See, you just affirmed what I thought in the beginning. Did anyway. I, I a black man? <laughs> no. Selena's racist, you Anyway, know. so we have a great show lined up. Um, we're starting things off with the news roundup. Mm-hmm. The stories that made us very upset. Tweet, go on Facebook, rant, or write an op-ed, which Stanley often does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to kick things off with non-black people using the N-word. As I said, in this past week, Governor Cuomo thought it was okay to use the N-word. He was doing a radio interview, and he was repeating uh, he's basically like within context he was basically saying that people were making Italian slurs equivalent to the n-word which made him feel like I guess how I guess he was basically saying like how black people feel when other people use the n-word mm-hmm. but instead of just saying the n-word he said the full word yeah. and then on top of that Gina Rodriguez she was singing a song the Fugees ready or not they give me the heebie-jeebies right and she decided to post the one clip of her singing the song with the N-word. Then she walked it back saying, I'm sorry if anyone was offended. Then she put another apology out saying, I'm sorry to the communities of color. And I'm just like, sis, you just don't get it. Alyssa, is it ever okay? I mean, I used two examples, but is it ever okay for people to use the N-word if they're not black? I mean, no. I'd say no, but I also think we should get to a point. Look, and I actually, I'll preface this by saying, I understand the idea of taking something back, right? Um, Gay people have forever also been taking the words back. Like uh, the F word, for example, French or, uh, no, <laughs> or the D word, for example. Dictionary. So uh, yeah, exactly, dictionary. So I, I what is the D word? We oh, can't oh, say that on air. Uh, well, I'll tell you after. Um, Dichotomy. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but 
you know, look, so I understand the concept of taking it back, but quite frankly, I'd like to get to a space where nobody says these derogatory words, period. Uh, so, like, uh, you know, maybe then we wouldn't even have to have a conversation about whether certain people are allowed to use the word or not allowed to yeah. use the word if we just all realize that the word is not appropriate and it has bad connotations and just nobody used it. But I know more likely than not we're not going to get to that space. Um, so because we're not going to get to that space, the answer is no, it's not appropriate for white people to use the M word. I, I don't even know why that should be a debate. What about Afro-Latinx people, Stanley? Yeah. Or people like Gino Rodriguez? Well, Gino Rodriguez, I wasn't really bothered by saying an N-word, honestly. Really? Tell yeah. us. I, because, like, I mean, this is my own experience, and I had a friend who pushed back on me. But I was like, listen, I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. I was around nothing but black, Puerto Rican, and Dominican people. We all use the N-word. I've always looked at Latinx people as a part of the African, the African diaspora, so, like, it doesn't bother me. I get why people were upset at um, Gina, and I had my own issues with Gina um, that I wrote about. Um, but, like, I wasn't really bothered by her saying the N-word. But my, my friend said to me the other day, she was like, yeah, we all said the N-word back in the days, but that was before we had an analysis, and now Google is free. And she's right. The thing that bothers me about Gina is that people have kind of called her out for problematic things she said and about blackness, and she always just starts crying and, and gets defensive. So... When they called her up for saying the N-word, and she was like, I'm sorry if people felt the way because I was singing a song that I've always sang. It was kind of like, sis, like, you, here you go again, catching an attitude, instead of just trying to, like, be like, you know what? I apologize. I'm still learning. When I was growing up, this is how we interface. I never thought, I never saw myself as not being able to say this word, so it's like, it's something I'm still learning. I could have respected that because it's real. Because, you know, you know how many of my friends who I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn, and Brownsville, who are like who are light skinned like Latinx people who say the N word? I've never even thought about it in a bad way up until recently. Well, here are my thoughts on this to close out. Governor Cuomo, I understand the context he was using it wait, in. Wait, I'm not talking about Governor Cuomo. No, I know, but no, because oh. the thing is, there are two examples this week, right? Yeah. It's kind of similar, but kind of not. Governor Cuomo, first, I want to address. I get the context he was using it in, but I would have preferred if he just said the N-word and not literally say the word. Like, yeah, let's move past it. And, like, like he seriously. should know better. He does and know he better. should know better. He's the governor of this state. Come on. He's not like, stupid. Yeah, yeah, like, he, there's so like there's so many political consequences for him to even say that. And besides that, it's hurtful. Like, stop. Gina Rodriguez, she has a track record of saying things that are either perceived as anti-black or just extremely problematic. I mean, last year we talked about on Let Your Voice Be Heard how she, it sounded like she was pitting unrepresented women against each other, like unrepresented minority yeah. women against each other when she was like, oh, well, you know, Latinx women get paid much less than like black women and Asian women. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but it just didn't come off right. And then she was yelling at the girl from Black and saying, you're erasing other women because all you want to talk about is black girl magic. Right. And basically what this says to me is anti-black racism is persistent in all all communities, not just white ones, yeah. and we still have a problem that needs to be addressed. And like, also, like, just to explain some of the issues that people have with Gina saying the N word. Gina obviously does not see herself as a part of like the African diaspora or, or blackness at all. Because if she did, she wouldn't be getting on Yahara from Blackish for saying Black Girl Magic, because Black Girl Magic also includes Latinx women as well. Um, and she wouldn't have been mad about um, Black Panther saying that there's no Wakanda for Latinx people. Yes, there is Wakanda. Like for black Latinx people, like that's it is. But she she obviously does not understand those concepts. So to not understand those concepts and then use the N word, you know, that pissed off some people. Before we move on, I just want to read a comment from Robert Johnson. He says the Italians, when they migrated to the U.S. in early days, were called the N word. 
the governor used it correctly. That's mm. what Robert Johnson says. I mean, look, that's an interesting point, but I don't know. It's like it, historical context is one thing. I mean, you want to do historical context. We could sit here talking for an hour about how pretty much all humanity started in Africa and that everybody was as at one point had dark skin and that as people branched off and migrated north into and Europe, seasoning their food. you know, like and stop seasoning their food. Yeah. Then people became white. We could talk for hours about how many Latino and Latinx people are, you know, of African descent in some ways. And we talk and talk about how Irish people and Italian people and Jews were not considered quote unquote white. We've had that discussion before, but loops back to my original comment. If nobody said the N word, then we wouldn't even have to decide who's allowed to say the N word and who's not allowed I'm to sorry, say the N word. I'm sorry. I like saying the N word. I use it as a noun, a verb, an adjective, <laughs> an exclamation point. I'm going to keep on using the N word. That's my, like, that's my word to use. And that- I just think that like some people should just know their place and it's not that hard. I'm not running around calling, like I was hanging out with one of my, one of my really good friends in Brooklyn yesterday. He's gay. A lot of the other men are gay. They were calling each other the F word. I wasn't calling them the F word because, like, I like that ain't your tribe, Stanley. Right. You don't get to say that. It's really simple. And I, I would just add that the system, the systems of oppression that have uh, targeted black people in in particular are very different than the same type of oppression that Italians experience when they migrate in other communities. And I'm not saying like let's have a oppression olympics yeah. but i'm un- like when you really want to understand the history behind it and the fact that how many people were lynched being called the n-word and how many people um were, were called the n-word before they were put into jail which is why we have a, a problem of mass incarceration of black and brown people because people see them as the n-word like there's just really huge differences there and i get the reference governor cuomo was trying to make but we need to understand the nuance behind that Speaking of that, I want to talk about the death of Atitiana. Well, go ahead. And, you know, she was shot in Brooklyn. Excuse me, I said Brooklyn. She was shot in Dallas, in Texas, um, what, about seven days ago, yeah. uh, 10 days ago. And, um, you know, the funeral. So they basically they were supposed to have a funeral yesterday. That didn't happen. I heard that the family's having like a bit of a dispute. But yeah. regardless of that, um, you know, Atiana Jefferson, do you think that she'll get justice after being shot by a white police officer in Texas? No, I'm not sure what justice looks like anymore. That's if fair. For being honest, because I mean, you know, it talks to me on a certain day, and justice is that cop getting well. You know, let me not say that, but justice looks like something different than what we're gonna have a conversation about. Um, and it's talking another day, and like justice is putting that cop in under a prison. So I don't, I don't even know what it looks like anymore. I just know that I'm sick and tired of the same old games happening. Literally, before the body gets cold, all of a sudden they found a gun. I'm surprised they haven't talked about finding marijuana substance in her system by now. The cop refused to cooperate and then resigned, which means that he can actually apply for and get another job as an officer somewhere else if he wins this case. They keep changing the story. First, there was no weapon. Then there was a weapon in the house. Now she pointed a weapon at the window. It's, I'm just sick of all of this. I mean, this isn't really a new thing, right? I mean, and yeah, so it, it does depend what you think justice looks like. For some people, justice is uh, him getting convicted of murder and, you know, being put into a jail. Other people, and actually there was a really interesting article a couple weeks ago in with respect to Amber Geiger about how um, that was written in the appeal about, about prison abolition and about how her going to jail even for 10 years isn't really justice. Um, some people like myself might say justice sometimes comes in the form of money. That's what I do for a living. I sue police officers who commit misconduct. Um, Obviously there's, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but more likely than not, there's going to be a civil suit related to this. Her family may sue the 
police department that he worked for may sue him as an individual and may recover monetary damages. That's never going to bring her back. Um, to me, real justice in this country is not what one individual family gets or whether or not one individual cop gets convicted and goes to prison. J- real justice in this country is making the systemic changes so that the constant killing of black people by the police becomes rare and not be common like it currently is so there's this viral video of a white lawyer i believe she's a lawyer um she's testifying before um it looked like like a community hearing and she talks about the fact that police in almost a similar manner visited her home um it was dark outside her dog started barking in the backyard and she saw flashlights and she said who's there and she said the cops were like it's the police and she said that whole time she was thinking Oh, my God, the cops are going to or they could have shot my dog. She said if she was black, like Tatiana Jefferson, she would have been thinking, oh, my God, the cops could have shot me. And the reason why the video went viral, not because she's saying something that we don't already know because we do. It's because finally we see more and more allies speaking up in their own communities, in their own spaces and saying the things that black people have been going through forever. I mean, look, I agree, but it's not good enough for white allies to just be speaking up. You have to be putting the work in. Like, speaking is good, and making videos that go viral is good, but you need to be, like, show up when... The, for example, like when the police union tries to smear everybody that's asking for justice as being like low lives or whatever, like that's clearly a racially motivated comment that police unions make. Um, so like white people need to show up in those spaces and be like, look, like we are here too. We recognize the injustices and we are going to fight for these things. Um, and, and it's not just good enough to like show up in that space, but like show up to city council hearings when they're talking about closing prisons, show up to, uh, hearings when they're talking about building homeless shelters. Like you need to show up in all of these spaces because these are the things that are going to end systemic racism that puts people in the criminal justice system and leads to situations where people are killed by the police. Um, so that's what she was doing. She was showing up and speak it out yeah, um, no no i'm saying just like don't just do it on social media is my point oh no 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 it was someone else captured it gotcha it All wasn't right. it wasn't she wasn't doing it for social media she was literally within a community setting i think it was like a city a town hall and that's where she did it and you can tell she wasn't doing it for social media because her face wasn't facing the camera right someone else captured that moment stanley really quickly no man listen the videos are great the the thoughts and prayers are great but we need to get past get to a point where black and brown folks not just getting killed by the police or any white person who feels a little scared and not suffering any consequences. True. I'm tired of having a conversation. I'm tired of going through the same old cycle every single time. It's time to move on. Um, so quickly, Amy Jones left a comment on our Facebook Live. She says, I watched a video yesterday of police rescuing a baby bear cub. The mother bear who could have easily killed them, was in extremely close proximity. And I guess the police didn't shoot the bear. Not only that, <laughs> but I want to say to add to Amy's point, I watched a video this week, Sean King posted it up, of this white, mentally deranged man wielding a knife at police and yelling, I'm going to kill you. And you know what those two white police officers did? They backed up. And, like, let him go. Like, they were like, calm down, sir. They de-escalated the situation with their words. They, in comparison, 
If this was a black man who came out with a, a pot full of baked cookies, they would have shot that man. I mean, look, the Bundy the Bundy showed up at some like nature preserve with long arm rifles one day and took over the nature preserve for three weeks. And then they got acquitted and the police didn't bust in and take them down. Oh, I mean, it's not like new news that white people have an immense amount of privilege in this country that black people don't have. I think that's really what we're trying to figure out how to fix. Uh, is it not? Well, and before we go on break, I also want to talk about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOT. She has come out and or um, endorsed Bernie Sanders 2020. Um, Stanley, thoughts on that? I'm not surprised that she endorsed him. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, a lot of folks were worried that Bernie was done after he had a heart attack, but he did really well at the last debate. And then AOC and the squad endorsed him, and they had a huge rally in Long Island City yesterday. I'm talking huge. It was really good. A lot of elected officials were there, including, I think, um, New York State Deputy Majority Leader um, Michael Giannaris is over there. Um Bernie Sanders is looking really strong at the right time. Mm. As Biden is, Biden is starting to fade and Elizabeth is moving up, Bernie seems to be resurging. So it's a good look for him. Alyssa? Um, I mean, look, I, I'm leaning towards Liz. I haven't made a complete decision yet. Um, I like Bernie. I've always liked Bernie, but I, I think Liz has really good plans. It's not really surprising that AOC would endorse Bernie, given mm. that she considers herself a DSA member and a member of a, a Democratic Socialist, and he considers himself a Democratic Socialist. Um, I, though I didn't understand her comment. I, I saw a comment yesterday that she made basically linking the fact that she was endorsing Bernie to, like, feminism, and it sort of confused me in a little bit, and maybe I just didn't understand what she was saying, but it seems to me like... Like, if you had the option to endorse a woman who has very similar plans to the this white man, that you might not say that you were endorsing him because of feminism. I, I don't know. I, Maybe I didn't understand the comment, the but it didn't make sense to me. part in there is, like, getting past the part of just voting for somebody because of their sex, but having the autonomy to vote for somebody because of the issues. And, you know, because women have not always had the autonomy or the ability to vote, and when they have had the ability to vote, they've been, like, it's been impressed upon them to vote for somebody just because. So, like, her ability to make that choice, like, defiantly and freely might be what she means by feminism. I'm just extrapolating and projecting. I could be wrong. Well, I'll say this. Now that AOC has endorsed Bernie... I'm back on the Bernie the train, too. Honestly, I was leaning towards Elizabeth a little bit. Like, I was starting to consider her. But I've always been a huge supporter of Bernie, even before 2016. Um, you know, his politics, his policies, as well as his rhetoric is something that I've always felt deeply aligned to. And now that the whole squad is backing him, I think, like Stanley said, he has a fighting chance. I get it. He just had a heart attack. But you know what? He's back in the game. So let's go, Bernie. On that note, we do have to take a quick break. But don't go anywhere, guys. When we come back, we're talking about black democratic leadership in our country. And if it's working, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We hear about stories coming out from you and your agency that everything is pretty good and you're doing a great job. I guess you, you feel like you're doing a great job, right? Is we're, that what you're saying? We're doing our level best in a very challenging What does that mean? What does that mean when a child is sitting in their own feces, can't take a shower? Come on, man. What's that about? None of us would have our children in that position. They are human beings. We are the United States of America. We are the greatest country in the world. We are the ones that can, can 
go anywhere in the world and save people. Make sure that they have diapers. All right, guys, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we just played a clip of Rep. Elijah Cummings, um, rest in peace, and he was pretty much tearing a new one into the Department of Homeland Security and ICE for their treatment of unaccompanied minors and the way that they were keeping them. These children were sitting in cages in their own feces, were not getting mm. food, hundreds of accusations of sexual assault. It's just some of the worst conditions we have ever seen. Um and Elijah Cummings is pretty much saying we're better than this, and this is disgusting. Thank, thank you so much, Stanley, for even playing that clip. Uh, rest in peace, Congressman Elijah Cummings. We know that he died last week at the age of 68, leaving behind a legacy of public service and community activism. Um, you know, he was born the son of a share, sharecroppers, and he was elected to represent Maryland's 7th Congressional District in 1996, and he rose the ranks of political power to become the chairman of the House Oversight and Reform Committee earlier this year, where he led the impeachment inquiry of President Trump. Now, as you can hear from that clip, he is remembered for being not only a tireless champion for civil rights, but a fiery orator who advocated for working class people, not only in Baltimore, which is a large part of his district, but those who are from other marginalized communities and, and disenfranchised backgrounds. In addition, Cummings was known as one of Trump's fiercest adversaries. He spearheaded investigation into President Trump's uh, governmental dealings, including probes into Trump's family members serving in the White House, as well as possible abuses at federal agencies mm. under the Trump administration. Now, Cummings, he was known for his sharp criti criticism of the president and his administration over several issues, and he often called out Trump in speeches, press interviews, and on social media. And as you can, as you just heard, he never bit his tongue when it comes to standing up for especially those who are black and brown disenfranchised. Last summer, we all remember when Trump infamously attacked the congressman and his congressional district, calling Baltimore, and I quote, a rat and rodent-infested mess. However, and, and believe me, these two were going back and forth for a long time, but however, in one of his last official acts, just hours before his death, the late House Oversight and Reform Committee chairman signed two subpoenas for documents related to a temporary end to a policy change that allowed some immigrants with severe health issues to remain in the United States. Now that he has passed, God rest his soul, that means there is one less black Democratic leader in Congress. And although many, including myself, are saddened by this loss, others say it's time to change politics as usual, especially in black and brown communities. So on today's episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard, we're going to talk about and we're actually going to question if black congressional leaders are doing enough to help the communities they serve and what needs to be done to change to create the changes we desperately need. Stanley, I want to throw it at you first. What was your reaction to the passing of Elijah Cummings and his legacy? Oh, man, that was a tough hit to take, man. Listen, everybody talks about um, Rep. Cummings and the work that he's done to, like, fighting against Trump, but he's been a stable leader in Congress for years, was a member of the Progressive Caucus, obviously a long-time sitting member of the, of the Black Caucus, and has, like, been someone who has given stable leadership and support to a lot of people, but not just folks in Congress, but also reporters. And if you saw when he passed, there were a lot of stories from black reporters on Twitter who talked about how when, like, some of their first yep. couple of weeks at the Capitol, he used to give them advice, he would help them out, he would talk them through things. 
you know, when we talk about black leadership, it doesn't always have to look like somebody who is leading the revolution. It can sometimes just be someone who helps you get through, who understands that being a black person in a space that has been dominated by white people can be difficult. And someone who, you know, will consistently go and fight for the things that you need. So Elijah Cummings, that was a, that was a hit. I woke up um, really early that morning feeling good about the work. And that was the first piece of news that I saw. And, you know, it took me, I had to take a moment. So rest in peace to him. Alyssa? Yeah, I mean, look, I was shocked, actually, when I got the message. I also woke up early that morning, and it was the first piece of breaking news that I saw on my phone. And I, my first thought was specifically with respect to the impeachment inquiry and the Trump administration was just like, oh, man. Like, that's a really big hit because uh, Elijah Cummings has been instrumental in the impeachment inquiry into the president and has been outspoken uh, against President Trump and investigating him for uh, multiple improprieties. But from a a very personal level, I also looked at it as a a huge loss because, um, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when Elijah Cummings was growing up, he was told that he would never become a lawyer, that he would never make anything of himself. He spoke um, differently than other people, and he w- they said um, when he was in school that he was not able to articulate himself, that he wasn't a good orator, and he basically was, you know, on top of that, poor and black, and basically was like, I'll show all of you, mm-hmm. and ended up going on to becoming a very great lawyer, a civil rights icon, um, and ultimately a congressperson who did very good work. And so, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was very sad to hear about it. Um, and, and I do know, although uh, I guess the silver lining on that is I hear that his widow is actually going to run for his house seat, which is something we could talk about later in the segment. Yeah. yeah I, I, oh, sorry. I, I just want to say, if you want to call in with a question or a comment, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that's 212-650-6903. Now, this one hit home for me as well. I never met Elijah Cummings, but I admired his work from afar. Um, he also was someone who has been fighting for civil rights from the time he was just 10 years old. He actually helped to integrate a pool, a swimming pool in Baltimore at that time. And he dedicated his life to service. He dedicated his life for fighting for equality. And the fact that he was so boisterous in the Congress it just gave me hope. I was so happy to see him there. I wrote a piece about his legacy on blackenterprise.com and I shared it on um, on my Instagram. However, I didn't get the greatest feedback. Somebody actually left a, a, a comment, a very controversial comment, and I wanted to read it because not everyone was pleased with Elijah Cummins' work and black Democratic leaders in general. So this person said on my Instagram, Y'all know these old Negroes steal money um, for their cars and do nothing for you. Blacks in Baltimore live in a third world in third world uh, world conditions, and I can't repeat everything he said. This and he says Cummings He's, is to blame. I can't read it. Embrace the way he wrote it. Cuomo. You want you really want me to read no, what he said? Selena, okay. <laughs> he also said Charles Rangel's old behind had to be wheeled in and out of Congress. That old clown Conyers was sleeping during hearings. Now we need to clean house and get all of these old do nothing crooks out of Congress. Maxine, Jim Clyburn, John Lewis, and the rest must go. I don't care if they go out on a stretcher or after a resignation letter. And I'll leave it right there. Oh, hold on, hold on. Actually, I'll read this last statement. He says, great video of this sellout advocating for Hispanics and other yet black Baltimore is comparable to a third world, third world conditions. Now, 
I read that, and uh, usually I don't engage with trolls, nor do I talk to people who are just filled with hate. Mm-hmm. But I thought to myself, are there did did President Trump make a valid argument when he called out Cummings in July for the conditions of Baltimore? He said that you know it, it's it's rat infested, it's rodent, and I get he used the coded language and it was disgusting, it was horrible. But you know I visit West Baltimore, I actually frequent Baltimore pretty often, and the conditions there aren't the best. Um, Stanley, you know, are, are these arguments fair? Is did Cummings not do enough for his own community? Well, let's always start off with Donald Trump as a garbage human being, and I can't wait to see him fail and go and to prison. also a racist. And also a racist. Thank you very much, Alyssa, for that very important fact. Baltimore was in, is in horrible shape in a lot of ways in the black and brown communities. That is not Elijah Cummings' fault. Could he have done more? Maybe. Sure. But to put the sole weight of the blame on him when there are institutional things that have made Baltimore the way that it, it is that, have, that go far beyond Cummings' time in office— is ignorant, and it also shows an ignorance and or a lack of understanding of like what his actual job is as a congressional rep for that area. He plays a role, but then the governor and the mayor and everyone else has to play a role with him as well. And then you need to, you need like some federal support as well. He can't do everything. He can help to convene spaces and bring in some money, which I'm sure he's done, but he can't transform the whole community. A big part of the reason the community is the way it is is because of institutional racism and the way that's shown up and cutting um, district lines and funding and so on and so forth. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, gerrymandering has a lot to do with it. Uh, look, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head. All politics is local. The majority of politics in terms of how a community is and what's going on in a particular community is not necessarily linked to what happens in the federal government, what happens in Congress, um, but instead linked to the local figures that you pointed out, city council, the mayor, um, uh, you know, the city district attorney and all the local players within politics. And even within that local politics, then, yeah, we could call out certain people for not representing the community and not doing enough. Um, But another part of it is at least when you're looking at the federal government is money and it's not Democrats and it's certainly not black Democrats that are saying we should defund places and we should defund the government and we should cut cut money out of the budget. Who's saying that? It's white Republicans. So you have a whole bunch of white Republicans that are like, well, we can't spend money on this and we can't spend money on that. And let's give a tax cut to every single rich person in the country. And let's give a tax cut to all these corporations. Um, but we don't have any money to spend on food stamps and we don't have any money to spend on uh, building infrastructure which would create good middle-class jobs for black people living in Baltimore. And we don't have any money to spend to do Medicare for all uh, and, you know, spend money on health care. And we don't have any money to spend on mental health treatment. So it's certainly not, exactly as I said at the beginning, black Democrats who are saying we shouldn't spend the money. So you can't sit there with a straight face and say, I'm a white Republican. I don't want to spend any money on this. I want to give hand, uh, handouts to already rich people, but it's the black guy's fault that this place is not doing so well because it's a black community. I just want to add really quickly. So when Trump was calling out Baltimore for being rat infested and rodent infested, um, a large part of those buildings that he was talking about is owned by Jared Kushner. And not only that, Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, he's been owning this. He's actually been charging these people more rent, more fees. He's been in court, and he violated housing codes more than 200 times in just 10 months. So if Donald Trump, Republicans and conservatives want to call people out, start with the slumlords, who are often rich, white, and men. On that note, we have to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to continue this conversation on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Bring your computer. Just- 
Hit the cash truck, they had them boy Madola. All that social network and need some shooters. Got Mariah Millie rocking in front of her computer. Mmm, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Pritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, the immaculate return of Alyssa Fuchs, and of course, Millie rocking Mariah over here, being the amazing lit turn that she is. What's going on, BB? I saw you just hopped on to Facebook Live. Shout out to everyone watching us on Facebook Live. Selena, educate us. Yeah, so, you know, where we left off, we were talking about Elijah Cummins' legacy, as well as some of the attacks and the criticism that he endured from the right, particularly from Donald Trump these two had an ongoing feud at that um, and you know I asked the question was it valid and then I answered the question when I found out that Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner owned a lot a lot of these buildings that were rat infested had moldy had leaks and he was negligent to the tenants there yeah but like let's let's be clear Donald Trump is wrong about Elijah Cummings but we should call out our black elected leaders who are leading these communities and significant changes are not happening because yeah Republicans are really pushing these bad policies but there are black elected who are letting charter schools into these communities black elected who are letting developers get these sweetheart deals in these communities and it happens everywhere it happens in baltimore it happens in new york city where neighborhoods like east new york east harlem brownsville um parts of the bronx now have been gentrified completely or are being gentrified because they're letting in these developers who build these buildings and make these unaffordable rents and evict people out of current buildings so they can move in a lighter more financially um, beneficial core group into those communities. Money talks, so, doesn't it? Yeah, money talks is capitalism at its best, and it's black leadership that's letting that stuff happen too. Well, I mean, Alyssa, Stanley makes some great points. Is the black Democratic establishment really working for people of color? Uh, the answer to that is it depends. Uh, yes and no. In some ways, yes. So, for example, just to go back to Elijah Cummings, during his 12 terms in Congress, um, one of the, aside from uh, leading the in, in, uh, influential House Oversight Committee, he was a forceful voice in the Democratic Party on many civil rights issues, but most importantly, um, in the field of voting rights. And voting rights obviously are the most important because, in some ways, because how do you get people in power that can help you, that can do things that can actually help these computers through voting. And so when black people and poor black people are disenfranchised through the voting process, then they can't even have a voice to get people elected to begin with. And so in some ways, um, you do have a lot of black civil rights leaders like Elijah Cummings, like people like Maxine Waters that have been influential in the voting rights area. Mm -hmm. However, on the other hand, you can look at local politics and I'll use Manhattan in particular, and you can say there are very powerful black people in charge here. Uh, And yet things are not done. And so I'll just give you an example. I'm on the county committee for New York County, which is the borough of Manhattan. And the majority of the New York County committee is actually operated um, by a guy named Keith Wright, who is a very powerful black man who is from Harlem, who has a very powerful coalition of black people in Harlem that support him. And there are reformers all throughout New York County that want to see reforms to the Democratic Party to make it more diverse and to have it serve more lower income people of color. Um, And a lot of those reformers are either other people of color or actually white people that don't live in gentrified neighborhoods. And yet we just had a county committee meeting about a week and a half, two weeks ago, where the establishment 
which was, again, entirely or almost entirely run by Keith Wright, completely shut us out. They cut out all the reformers, whether they were black, white, Hispanic, Asian, or otherwise. And so in that sense, you can say, what are these people doing for the community and why are they only serving their own interests and the interests uh, of people with money and, and the interests of developers? And the answer to that question that we've already answered is money itself. And so how do we fix that? Well, we need to have more reformers come into play and we should have young black people that want reform come in and taking over the establishment, in my opinion, and I guess we can talk more about that as we I'm, get into the end of the segment. I, I mean, it, se- it's, absolutely. It, it seemed like AOC and the squad, they were hardcore progressives. They mm-hmm. definitely, I lined more with them than I did some of the older folks in Congress of Color. Um, do we need more people like that, Stanley? Like, what like are the AOC. alternatives? What? Are, yeah, I mean, it sounded like that's something that Alyssa's advocating for. Well, it, it's we got to stop looking at individual people and start looking towards the movement. Right. Because absolute power, like, it corrupts absolutely. That's just a fact of the matter. And whenever you're looking for the charismatic messiah or the leader, you're going to get in trouble. And these people become cults of personality and they stay in power, whether they're being helpful or not. So we got to move away from... We got to move away from the idea of like having these like one specific black leader or a handful of leaders. And we got to, once again, organize together, build together, demand together, win together. Well, speaking of alternatives, Stanley, some people say maybe it's time for us to rally around another political party. Maybe we should get behind the Green Party. Some people no. are saying, hey, let's get behind Republicans. No. Others are saying, let's form our own. Let's, yeah, so like that. So we have a couple of options. The, work, the National Working Families Party, which is expanding all over the U.S., and that is a more progressive like space that folks can jump into. And it's being led by a black man and an Afro-Latino woman, Maurice Mitchell and um, Lenny Stamp. You can join that party and we can really build black and non-black POC power in that party right now. Or like they had like the the Missouri Freedom Democratic Party, make your own version of the Democratic Party and fight for power that way. The way that Alyssa and some other folks have been trying to push the current establishment. We don't have to go through what they actually have. Uh, look, just to add to that, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive necessarily. We need to be pushing for fusion voting. Um, in New York, we have fusion voting, although the governor and other moneyed interests have been trying to get rid of it. But we need to be pushing for fusion voting all over the place. Can because, you say what that is? Uh, so fusion voting is essentially where you can run on the working family party's line. Um, but if somebody vote, votes for you on that line, you're, and you also are basically on the Democratic line. So it doesn't matter whether somebody votes for you on the Democratic line or somebody votes for you on the working families party line you end up getting that vote and so the the best way to do this in my opinion is yeah more people should join the working families party i'm actually a dues-paying member of the working families party um but i'm still using that as a democrat and so there's ways in which as you say that we can build this power through a third party but also push for the kind of fusion voting in many other places um where we can use that third party to push them through the democratic establishment Mm -hmm. which in my opinion is the best option and the reason why it's the best option is at the local level you really could have a viable third party but as i've Mm. talked about before when it comes to presidential elections because of the 12th amendment it's very hard to have a a third party election it really is the electoral college is set up to have a two-party system yeah uh you know another thing we can push for is having a popular vote for president yeah um that will build more power and allow uh us to really have a third party flourish yeah Yeah, so all of these are great solutions and i'm glad both of you uh, both um, brought them up just now however another thing Thing that people are talking about, especially in wake of the passing of Elijah Cummings, mm-hmm. they're talking about putting term limits on congressional tenure and the amount of time that a person can serve in Congress. Stanley, is that something else we should be advocating for? Yeah, absolutely. Term limits are democratic. They help. They do. They do. They work well. 
We should do that. I, th- I think we should have term limits, but I think we need to think practically about how long they're going to be because it takes a certain amount of time to build power once you get elected to be able to do certain things. And in some cases, we see when you have very short term limits, somebody's not able to necessarily build the power and build the coalition that allows to get things done. So I do think that term limits are important, but I think we can't just be like, oh, yeah, you can serve two terms and necessarily think that somebody's going to be able to get something done in two terms. So we have to be realistic when we're talking about term limits, about making them short enough that they're democratic, but long enough that somebody who gets elected has enough time to actually take action and get things done. Make congressional terms four years and give them three terms to serve. So now they get 12 years to be impactful. That's a lot of time. Right. If you can't, I mean, look, I think that would be reasonable. If you can't have an impact in 12 years, then you should be gone anyway. Yeah. I mean, on that note, we said a lot. We do have to bring this discussion to a close. But before we do, I want to end by giving you both time to talk about or answer the question, what do we want the next generation of Democratic leaders, specifically black Democratic leaders, to look like, Stanley? I want it to look like a movement and not a person. Um, I want to go into the like the spirit of Ella Baker. And we say like the most directly impacted people have to be the ones leading the fight. And it can't just be one charismatic voice. It has to be all of us. Uh, look, I think Ariana I, Presley really said it best. Those closest to the pain need to be the closest to the power. Um, we really need to look for people that understand what it is to be poor, what it is to grow up in a poor community, what it is to have your life and your community impacted by the criminal justice system, um, by people going to prison, by not having certain members of your community around because of the way that systemic racism impacts the criminal justice system. We need to be looking at poverty, homelessness, jobs, and those are the things that we really need to be doing in order to build a movement. But I think the most important thing is we need to have people, whether they're people of color or white progressives, um, or anybody that says that they're progressive that wants to do this kind of work, we need them, number one, to understand the work, and number two, we need them to not be taking money from the corporations. Because at the end of the day, yes, absolute power corrupts absolutely, but it's money that really corrupts absolutely. And so it doesn't matter if you're a person of color. If you're too close to the corporations, Cory Booker, (coughs) um, you know, you're not going to be doing the work for the communities that you really need to be doing. Thank you so much for that, guys. And I just want to end by saying this. Changing the face of a system does not change the system itself. And we've learned that time and time again. Politics is a dirty game. You can have the most purest elected official there is. Once they get into this game, they have to get their hands dirty in order to survive. Why? Because as Alyssa just said, you need money to run for office. You're going up against People, uh, Republicans, conservatives who have millions of dollars to spread propaganda and they do that and that's how they get elected. And that's why you have people like Cory Booker and other people, um, you know, dipping and dabbling with corporate interests. I'm not apologizing for them. I'm not excusing what they've done. But the, the, the fact of the matter is it's the system itself that makes them have to make these tough decisions. And that's why the system itself needs to be changed. Um, you know, Stanley made a great point. We can't put all of our faith into one leader no matter how much i'm obsessed over aoc she's not the answer the answer is us the answer is the people who go to the polls the answer is us the the constituents in these communities the answer is us when it comes to holding these people accountable and the way we do that is by voting locally 
getting involved in community organizing uh, and community uh, groups, uh, uh, talking to your police board. There's a number of things we could do. Getting a, Become a sitting member on your school, uh, school board's district. There's a number of things we can do. If we are serious about politics, then let's show them that we're serious by getting engaged. Um, on that note, I want to thank everyone for chiming into today's discussion on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Make sure you are subscribed on our podcast, wherever you get our podcast. Share it, tweet it out. And, of course, the best way you can support us is through a monetary donation. By doing that and supporting us, we will continue to support the issues and causes that you care about. So please go to patreon.com slash Radio and make your donation. We'll see you again next week.